Hello, hello. Welcome back, Practical Alchemist listeners. Whether you've been listening to the podcast for some time or this is your first episode, I'm so grateful that you're here because today I am sitting down with somebody who is such a badass, who is just so inspiring in not only the work that she's created and her business, but also just as a person. I'm sitting down today with none other than Sandra Velasquez, who is the founder of Nopalera, which is a culture-forward body care brand empowered by Mexico's Nopal Cactus. And the brand is sold in Nordstrom and Credo Beauty and in over 400 independent retailers nationwide. Sandra has also appeared on Shark Tank Season 14, which we'll talk about. I won't spoil anything if you don't know. And is the host of the Novalera podcast. And so I'm super honored to sit down with Sandra today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Good to see you. Likewise, likewise. You know, it's always so inspiring for me to meet people who are so successful in what they're doing today and also to learn that their backgrounds maybe started out in other things that when you look at the timeline, you think, oh, these two don't really have much in common. But in reality, maybe they were setting you up for what was to come. And so I would love to start kind of in more of like the deep cut chapters of your life, as many people might be familiar or not. And so for those who aren't familiar, prior to launching Nopalera, you were the leader of the Latin American, the Latin alternative band, Pistolera, which toured internationally, released several albums, and it's the music featured on TV shows like Breaking Bad, Sons of Anarchy, and even NPR's Tiny Desk Concerts. And so First of all, that's really badass. And I would love to hear about your journey as an artist, what period of life that was, and if that served you in your journey today as an entrepreneur, as a business owner. Yeah, it's such a great question. I actually thought I was put on earth to write songs. Like I thought that was my mission in life. I never had any inclination or uh, desire to start a business or become an entrepreneur, let alone in beauty. And no one in my family is an entrepreneur. I was forced to play music as a child. So my mother, who, you know, who came from Mexico, who didn't have opportunities, really wanted me and my sister to have things she didn't have and kind of classic immigrant parent. And so she forced us to take piano lessons. <laughs> and uh, I hated it. I couldn't wait till I quit. And at, when I was 13, they finally let me quit. And I was able to switch to guitar. And then I was able to learn all of my favorite songs, like Jimi Hendrix and Led Zeppelin, Nirvana, whatever. But of course, really grateful that I was forced to learn how to play music because I later used it to audition for music school in L.A. I went to CalArts in L.A. Oh. and auditioned with piano because that's what I knew the best. And then moved to New York to basically build my music career, which I did. Everything that I accomplished with Pistoleta happened in New York. And it seems like a big jump to say, hey, I was once a musician and now I'm an entrepreneur. But what I realized is that the mission is exactly the same because when I was the lead singer of Pistoleta, I was writing the songs. It was all about uplifting our culture, sharing our stories, getting rallying people together. And we're I'm basically doing the same thing. But now we're doing it with a physical product. It's still culture forward. It's still about uplifting people, sharing our stories, rallying people. And so as I've gotten older, it's become clearer what my actual life purpose is. And that is really to rally. That's really what my gift. I was blessed with confidence. I can't really take credit. I was born super cabezona, like really just like driven, 
I'm going to do it whether you want to or not. My poor parents, obviously, right, who had to put up with that. And But that's kind of what it requires to be an entrepreneur. You have to have such a strong vision and such a strong will to bring something to life that you have to be able to block out the noise of other people. And so that has really served me being a musician, not just for the the strength, but also for the rejection, because anyone that's a working artist has experienced rejection. And that is so valuable. I mean, it sucks in the moment, right? It sucks, but it's so valuable because you build your resilience muscle. And that is very important when you're building a business. Mm. You know, a friend once told me in their journey to their dharma, to their purpose, it's like the destination, the mission is always the same. It might be the vehicle that changes. And exactly. it's so cool that you said it's like the mission was always the same. You were born confident. You were born a rallier. And that's what you're doing today. And how poetic is it? As I've looked at your background, your trajectory, that resilience has been like a key aspect of who you are and what you've built. And how poetic is it that the cactus is also very resilient, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And from what I can see, you've always been true to your heritage and that extends, as you put it, beyond the walls of beauty. I would love to hear about your upbringing and how that helped mold the person that you are today, the mission that you've been called to fulfill in this lifetime. Yeah, it's such a great question. I told this to my team and I tell this to investors at my own peril, which is that Nopalera is like, for me, it's not about beauty. For me, it's about equality. And one of the things that my parents gifted me was just pride in our culture, in our heritage. And that's not something that everyone has passed down. I have cousins that do not speak Spanish, which is fine. There's nothing required that you have to be bilingual, but they weren't passed down the language because their parents didn't want them to be picked on. They wanted to them to assimilate for their own good, or they were ashamed of their heritage. And so I feel very fortunate. And I have to really credit my parents with really just like I like to say, everyone in my parents' house has their fist in the air. Like everyone is super proud of who they are, where they come from. No one is trying to hide anything. And I think that absolutely permeated my entire being and has everything to do with who I am that I feel I'm very much like anti-shame. It really pains me that people are walking around ashamed of who they are, that they feel like they need to hide where they come from, that they need to change their name. Anything that makes you feel like who you are is actually not good enough, that you need to be like someone else. And so that's really what is kind of infused in Nopalera in terms of our brand ethos and what we stand for. We're all about making you proud of exactly who you are. The products have to be great, of course, otherwise no one would buy them, but it's really a vehicle for how it makes you feel about yourself. And that is the bigger mission because there's a lot of beauty brands. There's a lot of great products in the world. Do we really need another soap? No, there's plenty of great soap in the world. But our soap and our brand is making people feel a certain way about themselves that they have never seen reflected back on shelves. And so that to me is the bigger mission. It's about emotion and it's about self-worth. Mm -hmm. I think that word self-worth is such a underrated aspect of coming home to yourself. At least it was for me because when you talk about the shame that there is around your upbringing or who you are, that's part of my personal story. You know, I grew up in El Salvador. Both my parents are from El Salvador. I moved to the States when I was 12. And you hear me speak today, you would have no clue that my first language was Spanish, mm -hmm. that I didn't speak any English. And then at one point, I forgot my Spanish because I wanted to assimilate. 
And for you as somebody who was born with this confidence, not to say that you probably haven't had your own hardships, especially being an entrepreneur, Latina, raising money, being on Shark Tank, what have been some of the ways that you have accessed your self-worth in moments that maybe you found it challenging, whether it's as a business owner, whether it's as an everyday human being? Yeah, I really honestly pull out all the stops. I do everything. Like I visualize, I journal, I meditate, I control who I surround myself with. I make sure that I have post-it notes all over my house that reinforce who my future self. I listen to Joe Dispenza. Like I do everything because to me, it does require that commitment to evolving and to really standing in your power and being able to go out and really create a new reality instead of just accepting the reality that people are telling you. So I kind of do everything. And visualization for me is huge. And I think it's very woo-woo for a lot of people. They're like, what do you mean? You just pretend like you're someone else or, you know. But I think the first thing is to acknowledge that what we think is true or like our thoughts or our current reality is not everything. And that they are just thoughts. Sometimes there are things that people have told us about ourselves and we either believe them or we don't. And then for me as an entrepreneur, it's about being committed to the bigger impact. And so you kind of remove yourself and your ego from the equation because it's not about me, right? Like, yes, I'm a very forward-facing founder. You see me on Shark Tank. You see me on the socials. But ultimately, I'm doing this for the greater impact. And that is what pushes me and kind of keeps me going every day because I feel the responsibility and the great privilege of being able to have this, to be in this position to really like uplift the entire community and change everyone's perception about the value of us as a community. And not everyone has the courage or the means to do that. And because I do, I feel a responsibility to do it. <laughs> and so it's kind of like whatever you are blessed with, it's for a reason. And so you must move forward with that gift. That's it, right? That's it. It's your gift. It reminds me of this well, a few things that you said that really like to synthesize, it's such a powerful point to drive home as you said, whatever you believe your reality to be, it might not be true, right? Because of somebody that someone told you about yourself in the neuro-linguistic programming world, we're reminded that our subconscious doesn't know when we're lying to it or when we're not. And so if you tell your subconscious, I'm not good enough, I am not talented, who am I to do this? Your subconscious is going to be like, okay, that's our truth. If you visualize and you tell your subconscious, I am successful, I have everything I need to be successful, I am brilliant, I'm intelligent, I'm talented, your subconscious is going to be like, okay, great. And so it's like this idea that like what we feed our minds through visualization is actually really powerful because our subconscious is the mechanism that's operating this whole thing, right? Correct. So that's like the first thing that's so powerful. Thank you for bringing the concept of visualization in. And then the second one is like, I'm looking at you and I'm thinking you are somebody who has always been found the resilience to stand in their truth. And because of that, perhaps you're able to bring the gifts that you're meant to bring into the world. And so by us not standing in our authentic power and our authentic truth, we're doing the world a disservice because we're not bringing forth what we're meant to bring forth from our gifts, our experiences, our upbringing, et cetera. And so it's so cool to see the manifestation of 
your heritage, your roots, the resiliency, the tenacity, the rallying that's become this beautiful product that is Nopalera. Thank you. And just to add to that, I, th I employ what I call, and this sounds kind of dark, but I call it deathbed wisdom because all of us have a limited amount of time in, in these earth suits that we're currently in on this planet. And when you get to the end, like, what are you really grateful for or regretting? And usually all the studies show that people that have been interviewed that are dying, they don't care about that people didn't like them. All the things that they were worried about being embarrassed about or being judged about, those things no longer matter. And so really getting in touch with what is the actual impact that you want to have on people? Because ultimately, that's what a legacy is. It's how people how you made people feel while you were here. And then they pass that feeling down and those learnings down to future generations. That's real impact. And so I always think about that, the bigger picture. Right now can suck. It can be hard. There's world wars. There's an economy that's like flailing. But I pushed forward because of the bigger impact that I want to have. Mm. And on the note of that impact, one of the legacies that you for sure are leaving behind is Nopalera. So let's talk about that. Before we even talk about nopalera, let's talk about the nopal cactus. I don't know much about it outside of what I've seen on the website and you've shared. And so I'd love to learn more about this magical plant. What are some of the benefits, the properties, and maybe what the nopal cactus means to you? Yeah. So I'm obsessed with the plant, obviously. I built a whole brand around it. But I think that it's important to state that, and I'm sure you have something like this as well from your upbringing. There are things that we grew up with that we take for granted because we think that they're normal and everywhere. And for me, the nopal was one of those things. Every Mexican person grew up eating nopales. It's so Mexican. It's on the Mexican flag. There's a nopalet on the Mexican flag. It's just part of culture, kind of like how I don't know. People in France eat bread. There's nothing special or unique. It's just part of the culture. It's like every day. And because I grew up with it and they were always in the yard, in the front yard, they're all over California, all over the Southwest. I just took it for granted. And I think it's easy to do that when you're growing up and you have things that are always available to you and you just assume, doesn't everyone or doesn't everyone know what this is? And the reason why it's such an incredible plant is because not only is it filled with like vitamins and minerals and antioxidants that are great for your health to eat, like people eat it in Mexico. It's mostly a food source, but for those same reasons, it's great to use to cleanse your skin and hair and also drought resistant. So when we talk about sustainability, we think about things that do not require a lot of water, certain climates like deforestation, all of these things that a lot of ingredients do require, right? And it needs nothing. And it regenerates quicker than any other plant that I've ever seen. So you cut off a pad and a new one grows back in three weeks. My parents have this beat up nopalera in their front yard. It's like in their driveway. It's really ugly. It's like old, but new pads just keep growing off of like where they cut from the last time. And so it's like the gift that keeps on giving. And aloe vera does not do that. And so I don't know how aloe vera got all the love. I think maybe because it's easier to kind of deal with because it's less espinas. <laughs> you know, you just have the sides. But nopal is really like a better aloe vera for all of the, the reasons that I just stated. And you can also use it for textiles. You can People are making vegan cactus leather now. There's a great company called Deserto out of Mexico that's doing like the inside of cars. They've partnered with large retailers. They're doing shoes. Um, so just this incredibly regenerative, sustainable plant that also happens to be an incredible food source and filled with vitamins and nutrients 
that are nourishing to your skin and hair. And to me, it means all of those things, but it also, it's the cultural symbolism of resilience, which you touched on earlier, because it, it needs nothing. Like it doesn't need you or I to tend to it, to take care of it. It will be here after you and I are no longer here. And I just think that that is just such a powerful metaphor for us as a people, that this is an ancient plant that has been here for like over 6,000 years. <laughs> and it will be here long after us. It doesn't need us. Wow. Okay. I was not ready for all of that. That is so freaking cool. That is incredible that from the sustainability to how multifaceted and dynamic it is and its uses to it being just so regenerative on its own. That's incredible. And so the Nopal cactus has been a staple in your upbringing, your childhood, your culture. At what point did you look at the Nopal and you're like, I'm going to make a brand out of this. I'm going to share this with the world in a way that is useful and impactful. Basically, what is the genesis story of Nopalera? Yeah, the genesis story was in the summer of 2019 when I was standing in my parents' driveway. I was 43 at the time. I had just left a job, so I was unemployed. I had $80,000 of student loan debt. I had $30,000 of personal debt. I didn't have money to pay rent. It was really a crossroads where I was like, okay, I'm either going to keep doing what I've been doing, which got me here, or I'm going to go do something else and I'm going to build something big. And because I was unemployed, I had time on my hands. So I was like, well, at least I had my daughter with me visiting her grandparents. And I was like, well, this is going to be the summer we learned how to make stuff. So I was learning how to make soap. That was kind of my entry point into making products. And one of the recipes called for aloe vera. We didn't have any aloe vera, but we had plenty of nopal in the yard. And so I went and I cut off a pad and I used that instead. And that's kind of when this light bulb moment of like, huh, I wonder why no one has already created this actually, because this is like an abundant plant that is everywhere. And it felt like a responsibility. When I had the idea, I was like, huh, okay, if I don't do this, then Johnson and Johnson or someone was going to come and do it inauthentically. So if I'm having this idea, it's for a reason and it's going to have to be me. So that is when I decided that I was going to build this aspirational Latina brand and centered around the nopal. And I knew that our base consumer would get it. They would see themselves in the brand. And I wanted to make it so beautiful that other people that had no idea what a nopal was or even how to say nopalera would want to know what it was because it was just a beautiful product. And that's pretty much what has happened. But it was all very intentional. I mean, just the fact that you were at that crossroads in life People could feel so defeated, and I'm sure at some points maybe you did. And the fact that I'm such a believer that everyone has the ability to work with plants, and it just depends on what spirit of what plant calls to you and communicates with you in the language that you can understand. And for you, clearly it's the nopal. For me, it's cacao. And it's just so incredible how the spirit of that plant, the resilience of that plant is literally encoded in your DNA, Sandra. I mean, you were at a point in life where anybody, anybody could say, I don't know what I'm going to do. And instead, you, you birthed this incredible baby that's only three years old, mind you, four. I guess now we're in 2024. And so I just want to give you your flowers because I'm like emotional just thinking about the whole thing and, and how cool is it that you had the opportunity to look at this and say, I have the time, 
I'm going to bring this forth. And it's not only going to be a product that was for beauty, it's also going to transcend into self-confidence, into inclusivity, into empowerment. So that's really freaking amazing. And so you start Novalera, this kicks off. And at what point did you decide you were going to go on Shark Tank? Because it was maybe almost exactly a year ago today, that episode launched, right? Yeah, it aired for the first time January 20th, 2023. So yeah, it's been a year, but I applied like February of the year prior. That's how long the timeline is. Because another friend of mine, actually another Latina beauty founder friend of mine was like, you should go on Shark Tank. And I was like, what? Why? No, I don't have time for that. And she was like, no, it's a great opportunity. Just do it. You just apply, go online and apply. And I was like, okay. So I literally just Googled Shark Tank submission or application, got to their website, applied, and then got a call back. And then from there, it was like a series of kind of like hoops that you have to jump through to get approved, to prepare. And so it was like five months of preparation of Zoom calls with producers and they have to approve your outfit. They have to approve the set, everything. And then once you record it, I filmed it in July. Actually, it was on my birthday. That's how I remember. I was like quarantined alone in a hotel in L.A. <laughs> on my birthday in July of 2022. And after you film it, you don't there's no guarantee that they're going to air it. So then you're still waiting on the edge of your seat. It's like the anxiety just continues and they only give you three weeks notice when it, it does air. So I got an email right, like around this time last year, right after the new year, it was like, okay, your episode's going to air on the 20th. And I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. We had already prepared our inventory and our website because we were hoping it was going to air in the Christmas, the holiday season the year prior, but it all worked out. It was a great way to start last year. And then we actually got two re-airings last year. So we got even more exposure. That's wild. So you were prepping, just kind of betting on that it was going to get aired and getting all your inventory because on the back end of a CPG brand is all of the logistics of inventory. And that is so wild and congratulations. And so then you're prepping for months, you get there, you pitch and they come in at a low ball offer and you declined how many offers? Two, two offers. Dang. Okay. What was going through your mind? As they made you this offer and you said no, like, why did you say no? And what was going through your mind at the time? Yeah, I was really hoping they were going to come in with a better offer because I walked in with offering 5% for $300,000 and they started at 30. And I was like, oh, no, we're so not even close to meeting in the middle here, like not even close. And it just signaled to me, the red flags went off like, wow, if this is where they're starting, then we are not, I don't know if we're going to be able to meet eye to eye. Because I had a ceiling in mind. I just knew I could, there's no way I could go above like 10%. And Mr. Wonderful made the first offer for 30%, Kevin O'Leary. And then Daniel Lubeski, who's also Mexican, the Mexican founder of Kind Bar, countered with 25%. And I was like, oh, Daniel, compañero, it's just not good enough <laughs> you know? And so I'm in this moment where I'm like, I know that everything I say and do right now, our community is watching. And if I'm truly going to build a brand that is mission driven and really mean what I say, and this brand is really authentic, then there's no way that I can give away this much of our company at this stage uh, for such a small amount of money. That's like two purchase orders, $300,000. And so 
I actually did some exercises in the green room as preparing because they put you like in a waiting room and then they put you in another waiting room. And I just envisioned all of like my father's side, my father's side on one side of me, my mother's side on the other side of me and everything that they have gone through. And like the fact that here I am like a product of them standing in this tank on this stage with this opportunity, I just felt like they were screaming at me. So I was like, there's just no way that I can give into this. So they're like, well, you need to counter with your offer. And I was like, okay, it's $600,000 <laughs> if you want more equity. The value does not change. And so that's when it was clear that they were not going to come in my direction. So I just had to tell the truth. I was like, I'm really grateful for this opportunity. Thank you. But my ancestors are whispering, really screaming in my ear, you know, you know, mija no te desprecias. Wow. I... That's a mic drop. I don't I don't have anything to say back. That is when you said our whole community is watching, I just got full body chills. And it's true. I watched that and I was like, hell yeah, Sandra. And it's such a testament to your mission, to your belief, and and then also to recognize we're all standing on the shoulders of our ancestors, right? And they're with us and they're watching us and they're advising us and, and to be able to connect with that and find the strength to be like, I'm not alone. My ancestors are with me. My guides are with me. I mean, that is just like, talk about legacy. That's pretty freaking badass. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> you know, what's interesting is that I don't know if this came across like in the actual edited episode, because, you know, a lot happens in the tank that doesn't make it into the final episode. And I really felt that the presence of like, I really walked in, I was doing like actual physical exercises to call my ancestors in on both sides. And when I walked into the tank, I felt that they were standing behind me. And I felt like that could be felt in the tank. And I feel like they gave me a lot of respect because they're not nice to every entrepreneur. And some of the people that filmed with me on that day had negative experiences. And even though they tried to make it look dramatic, how they edited it, like we had a dramatic moment or I didn't know a number, it was re ultimately like a very positive experience, how they treated me and how they responded to me saying, and even Lori at the end was like, this was about self-worth. So that's what it is. You can't mess with that. <laughs> I was going to comment, even at the end, I was so amazed that Lori saw so clearly. She was like, this isn't about, there's nothing you can say to Sandra right now that's going to change your mind. This is about self-worth. I'm sure they felt the presence of your bodyguards. Yeah. I was like, I have backup. Yeah, you got backup. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it felt. Wow. And thank you for sharing that. It's so cool. And thank you for also standing in your power for everyone that gets to watch that episode. It's so inspiring and such a reminder to not undervalue yourself. And to also hold that vision because you don't know how things could change in a year, right? You don't know how your business will expand. It'll grow. And so staying true to yourself, yeah. staying true to that vision, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And talking about backup, I want to touch on something that I think I saw you wrote an article or a blog post. And I want to talk about a success squad. As somebody who mm -hmm. is an entrepreneur, as somebody who yeah. maybe has a side business or just anyone really, what is a success squad and how would you recommend someone find or create one? Yeah. So a success squad is a group of people and it can be as little as three. It can even be two other people. So like three in total, 
right? That all of you are committed to each other's growth and evolution, like period, the end. There's no jealousy. There's no pettiness. There's no one is dragging anyone down. When they win, it feels like you are winning and you commit to meeting regularly to keep each other accountable and to share and also to be vulnerable, right? It's not about showing up and saying everything is going great. It's about saying, I'm scared or this is happening. I need you all to lift me up or anything that you need, they are there. But the difference between this and just like, let's say a normal group of friends is that the success squad, everyone is committed, has a growth mindset. Everyone is committed to evolving. And that's not something that is easily found unless you go out and specifically look for those people. I met my, what I call my CEO squad in a mastermind group, like a business program. And just by the fact that they were in the program meant that they were interested in evolving and growing. And so there was, it was easier to find alignment there. None of them live in the same city as me. We all live in different cities. So we have to get together four times a year in person. We just pick a different city to go fly into. And we've had ups and downs in that we used to be five people. And then last year, one of them, one of us suddenly passed away. It was, we were not ready for that. What? We always thought we were going to be five people. And so we went through that together. And it's just, it's rare to find a group of people who are truly committed to seeing each other win because so much so people are stuck in their own tape loops and their own thought loops and their own reality. And and they're not really interested in evolving. And once you commit to your own evolution and your own growth, it will be very clear who amongst your friends is not. And that's why I needed to go and find new friends because I already had, you know, a lot of friends, but none of them were really committed to growth. And so it's a different mindset. So finding those people, I would say business groups or entrepreneurial groups or even events uh, where people is going to attract people that have those interests, I think is a great place to start. And then you have to commit. We have a text thread, right? We talk all the time. We send video messages to each other. We meet in person, like I said, a couple times a year. So it's a commitment. Mm, That's awesome. Yeah. I'm inspired to make my own success squad for 2024. I already have some people in mind. Thank you for that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And so what's next for Nopalera? What are you excited about? And I guess for anybody, as we kind of close the the conversation, I could talk to you for hours. Honestly, you're such a beacon of wisdom and experience. But yeah, how can people find the brand? What are you guys excited about? What's next for you guys? And how can people stay connected? Yeah, you can find us everywhere on the internet. So you can find us on Instagram at nopalera.co, same on TikTok. And we're at a bunch of stores, Credo, Nordstrom, 400 boutiques across the country. But our website is always great because then we get to stay in touch with you. Our Instagram is really where we live. We're starting to do more on TikTok. And but really what's next for us is we're at the stage now where we really need like a national beauty retailer like Ulta to really give us the opportunity to grow our business domestically before we start to expand. And so that's really what we're, we're betting on. So if people want to help us out, they can definitely tag Ulta in their posts and say like, when are you going to bring in Nopalera? Because there's still a very severe underrepresentation of Latina brands and just Latina culture in beauty stores. It's really like the retailers I feel are always the last to the party there. It's really hard for them to make change. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that the leadership is also not us. I've never presented to a Latina buyer ever. And so you have people 
assessing your brand through a totally different lens that has no connection, no history to what you're offering. And that is the challenge for brands like ours. So really hoping that will happen this year because that's really what we need. Mm. And so it is. Speaking it into existence and so it is. Sandra, thank you so much for your time, for sharing your energy. And I am just so excited to see where Nopalera goes. I have full faith that it's going to go so far. Thank you for everything that you're doing for the community. And we'll also link the website on the show notes. We'll link everything on the show notes if you're interested to stay connected. I have a feeling we'll cross paths again very soon. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sandra.